Okay, great to be here. You know, it's uh, good to know that we have lots of people out there listening because we have a very small audience here at the church, but uh, what an exciting thing to still be able to have church through technology. And uh, it's a real encouraging thing, too, to see so many people tuning in. I think we have, I saw 70-some people tuned in, and I know many people are meeting in groups, so we've got well over 100, and that's what I was praying for, so praise God that we have a lot of people meeting. And I just want to encourage you to, to, to make this a habit. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know how long this is going to last. Up till uh, at least the end of April, we'll be meeting in this way, and it could be longer. So it's very important for us as a church to stay connected and stay united. You know, it's easy for people to say, oh, that's okay, I'll just worship on my own, I'll watch uh, a satellite TV, or I'll watch something on YouTube, or I'll watch a DVD, and that's all great, but we'd really like to encourage everyone to connect, that we can keep some momentum going, that we can keep um, unity and connection each week at 11 a.m. on Sabbath morning. So please make that a, 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 a habit, uh, and invite others really encourage you. This is a chance that you can maybe can invite a neighbor or a friend that maybe they wouldn't come to church, but they'd come into your lounge room and sit with you on Saturday morning and worship with us. So this could open up some great opportunities. So please um, make this a habit. Also, I want to encourage all of our life groups. I know that um, all um, our programs and events are basically postponed or canceled at this point, but we still need people to be connecting. And so we ask that you connect, and uh, please, if you're in a small group, if you're in a life group, you know, let your leaders know, even though you're not meeting, uh, those leaders that can, you know, start setting up a meeting on Zoom. Zoom is an a, a app that you can use to do video conferencing, and I think it's all free if you only go for about 40 minutes, so um, find out how to do that. Get someone to coach you along if you don't know how to do it. Because we want to see a church that we're growing even when we're not meeting as a church. Um, I'm reminded when I was a kid in Sabbath school, and some of you have maybe did this, and my fingers don't bend as good as they used to, but we would fold our hands together like this, and we say, this is the church. Okay, here's the church, here's the steeple, Open the door, and there's all the people, you know. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's made this concept that the church is where the people are. But today, and really any time, the church is really where the people are. It doesn't have to be in a building. And I know some people are worshiping out in nature and parks today on beaches or whatever. But, you know, we are still the church. And we are worshiping together. And God can work through us and um, in us. And he can transform us even at a time when we're having to do things a bit differently. Now, we have a, a vision. And our vision is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. And a couple of scriptures I just want to bring up today because, you know, Scripture tells us, God says, hey, that he wants to draw um, us to him. And so as we are drawn to God, then People are drawn to God through us. We're like an um, a instrument. We're like a channel where God's love can flow, where, where kindness, where love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, all those fruits that come from the Spirit living inside us will flow through us. 
And, and that's really exciting. Again, in John 12, 32, this is Jesus. He says, but when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Here Jesus is saying, he's going to draw men. But he's not here in person. We are the body of Christ. And that's really our topic today. We've um, gone through from our vision to draw our community into a loving relationship to Jesus to our mission. And our mission now is a four-step process. First, to know God. Second, to find freedom. Third, to discover purpose. And finally, to make a difference. And we've been working through this series of what's next and uh, we've had a couple of weeks of break because we had the young adults take a service and then we had a, a, a kid's service last week. But we're back doing part two of this series and we're beginning that third step of discovering purpose. And today I'm going to be addressing what is the purpose of the church? You know, is, is the church important? Is it necessary? A lot of people say, well, why do I need church? You know, I can just worship God at home. I can just watch something and be inspired. I can read God's Word. But if you read the Scriptures, it, throughout Scripture, it talks about the church being the body in many parts and that we all need to come together to make the body of Christ because none of us can do it on our own. And it's very important that we do this. You know, if you look back to Jesus, and Jesus is really what it's all about. He's the one that gives us hope in uncertain times. He's the one that, uh, that gives us a future. And it's not anything that we do. And, and it's a beautiful thing as we approach Jesus daily and say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and thank you that because of that you save me. And that I have assurance of where I stand with, with God because of Jesus. What a wonderful message. And when Jesus was on this earth, you know, he, he came and he didn't go around pointing his finger at people and, and, and trying to identify all the things. Even the church was very corrupt. But Jesus didn't go around trying to set it straight. He went around sharing kindness and love, um, teaching people about his heavenly Father, healing people, and helping people. And so if we're going to be the hands and feet and the eyes and ears of Jesus, that's what we want to practice. We want to practice being like Jesus. You know, ever since sin came into this world, the Bible tells us that all have sinned, except one, and that's Jesus. And so if, if we ever to look to anyone for an example, the one that we can without fail is Jesus. And I love those first four books of the New Testament. The New Testament of the Bible, of course, is the Bible's broke up into two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament begins with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call these the Gospels because the Gospel means good news and the good news is that Jesus came. You know, right when sin entered back in Genesis chapter 3, right through, it was all about Jesus coming to save us from that sin that was, has corrupted the world. And, and Jesus did come and that's good news and those Gospels are all about that. And then after the Gospels, we have really the book of Acts. And the book of Acts begins in chapter 1 as Jesus is spending time after his resurrection. And so he's already had his ministry. He's um, died on a cross, shed his blood for our sins, and he was buried, and then he was resurrected. And then he spent uh, some 40 days, with his, mostly with his disciples, but there's actually hundreds of people that saw Jesus after he was resurrected. And there's great evidence of that, which again gives us confidence 
that, that it's true, that Jesus is resurrected. And as he was walking one day there in Acts with his disciples, it says that he was just taken up. And the disciples sat there and watched as Jesus went back to heaven. But Jesus says, hey, I've got a mission for you to do. And the next scripture I want to share with you, this is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is what Jesus gave us, and we often refer to this as the Great Commission. And I just want to share the Great Commission with you now. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. And it says, Then Jesus came to them, and this is what he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and the teaching and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always right to the end of the age. This is what we are to be doing. This is the purpose of the church. And what's the church again? It's us. And even today, we're spread all over uh, the Gold Coast, and, and, and I know other places in Australia, and I know there's people watching from other countries as well. And we are the church, even though we're spread out. And we're the body of Christ. And we're to be fulfilling this great commission. And how do we do it? Well, again, we're that channel. We're that aqueduct of Jesus' love, of Jesus' hope that that goes through us. And um, as the world faces a fairly uh, crisis time, you know, what a, a great opportunity for us as Christians What a great opportunity for us to be showing love and kindness and generosity to our communities. And for people to see, wow, what's different? That person doesn't seem to be panicking or being just grabbing for themselves. They're actually being generous. And that's the sort of thing that we hope and pray that we can do as a church. Now, as a church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, first began in the late 1800s. I think about 1876 that we became a church and took on the name the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And ever since then, we've been delivering the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the number one priority, to share that we all have salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the prime message that we have as a church. Now, there's an urgent message that we've been delivering as a church, and, and we feel that God's raised this church up specifically to, to take this message to the world. And this message comes from three angels. And if you go right to the end of the New Testament, you come to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written by John. And John, later in his life on the island of Patmos, was inspired by God. God showed him amazing things, and, and it's very symbolic and, and, and very prophetic. And as a church, we are a, a prophetic church. Um, If you study many of the things that um, we teach and that's led us from the beginning, going right back to 1844 before we even became a church, um, and and, and then eventually by studying Scripture and kind of finding out what happened in 1844 and that God's actually working and leading us until He comes. And that He needed a, a church to be raised up to deliver a special message. And we feel that that message is found in... Revelation, the 14th chapter, right there in the middle of this book of Revelation, in chapter 14, we find the message of these three angels. And I just want to go through these, this message with you briefly today. 
and, and just touch on a few important things for us to remember because this is our purpose. And this is what's unique. I mean, what do you look for when you look for a church? You know, you know, first we determine, well, church is necessary, but what do you look for? Do you just go to the church that's closest to your house or the one that's the biggest or the one that has the best music? You know, what, what's, what's the factors that you look for when you look for a church? And, and I, I, would, I would narrow it down to two simple things. First is love and kindness, and second is biblical truth. Those are really the, the, the criteria I'd be looking for when I look for a church. And there's no church that's perfect. But, you know, I've, I've done a lot of searching, and, you know, I've come to be involved in the church that I am because I believe that those two things are there. Now, sometimes you have to look a bit harder, especially with that kindness thing, because some people get so stuck on being right, you know, I, I, you know, being so certain of knowing things that sometimes they forget it's more important to be loving and kind than it is to be right. And a, a few week, weeks back, we, we covered this big idea in one of our talks about finding freedom when we talked about that we need to love people and connect with people before we correct them. And we're so quick sometimes to correct, and it's not done in a loving way. And again, how, how do we find the right way to do it? Well, we've got to look to Jesus. How did Jesus do it? You know, he didn't go around pointing the fingers and, and, at people and, and identifying all the things they were doing wrong. He did it by connecting with them, showing them love and acceptance, and showing them that they, they had hope. And what a great message of hope that we have. And so as I go through these scriptures of the three angels, let's... Um, unpack that now a little bit now okay so we're looking at revelations chapter 14 and beginning with verse 6 here the first angel says then i saw an angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation tribe language and people and he said in a loud voice fear god and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come worship him who made the heavens and the earth the sea and the springs of water so this, this message of the first angel is very important. And to me, it's really the, the key. Right there at the beginning, it says this angel's main message is the eternal gospel. Again, to deliver the good news. The eternal good news that comes from Jesus Christ. Because of his life and death and burial and resurrection, there's hope for every one of us. And that's the good news. And that's why we as Christians want to not only take that good news and hold it to ourselves, but, but we take this great commission that we looked at earlier and we share it with others. That's what he's called us to do. And we want to be something that's, that's uh, I guess, I feel a bit funny using this example, but like a virus, you know, and look how quickly in, in, in a few months how this thing is spread around the world. And the Bible actually tells us the gospel is going to be preached to all the world, and then what's going to happen? He's going to come again. And I think there's evidence that we're getting closer and closer to Jesus' coming, and that's not something to fear, because this word fear here is not about us being trembling in fear, but us actually being respecting God as being the creator God. It talks about him of being the creator of the heavens and the earth. 
And when we come together every Saturday, we come to remember God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It goes right back to Genesis 1 when he created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day. He created this seven-week cycle. There's nothing else that gives us that seven-week cycle except for God. You know, all the months, the months uh, and the year and the day are all determined by movements of the planets and the moon and the stars. But the seven-day week was created by God and goes right back to creation. So this first angel's message is crucial. And then we get to the second angel, and this comes in verse 8. And the second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great which made all the nations drink, drink the maddening wine and adulteries. And so here it's talking about Babylon. Now Babylon in, in prophecy and in scripture, is when, when we refer to Babylon, it's talking about confusion. You know, after um, the flood, and uh, as man, man reproduced and grew, again, man, as they have a tendency to do, forget about God, forget about the Creator. And that's why we need to weekly be reminded because we can easily get caught up in our lives and just living and, and doing and drinking and eating and marrying and doing this and we forget that there's a creator God who longs to have a relationship with us. That's why he created mankind in the first place. He wanted someone to love and love him back. And that's why he had to give us the choice. That's why, why he had to put that tree of knowledge of good and evil that was in the Garden of Eden because... Love only comes by choice. And of course, Adam and Eve made a bad choice, but then God did everything he could to try to rebuild that relationship. And, and Jesus came to, to, to bridge that gap, to be the link between us and God, our Creator, again. But, you know, there's a lot of confusion in the world. And we have a message as we deliver these three angels' messages to the world today. It's a message of hope. It's a, it's a message of not confusion, but a message that leads people to the Bible, and the Bible is the base of truth. You know, the Bible's still the number one selling book in the world. You know, there's so many Bibles out there. People um, think the Bible is just some random book, but it's a book that's led so many people. You know, it's actually a library of books of 60, um, six different books, but, you know, those books are God-inspired. They were led to be written by prophets. Those words are really what we base truth. And as I said earlier, what do we look for in a church? Well, kindness and love. I think that's first. Because truth is only truth if it's shown through love and kindness. That's so important. And so now we get into um, this final third angel's mission. I'm going through this quickly. It's, it's very heavy language. And beginning with verse 9, it says, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on their foreheads in their hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, and which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his wrath. And he will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. And there's no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in his image or for anyone who receives the mark in his name. Now, I don't know about you, when I read that, you know, I almost tremble. You know, it's pretty scary language. But this is because this is the seriousness of this message. Because God is having to bring all of sin to a head. And we're living at a time we're seeing that happen. 
And God is giving us a warning here. He's saying, hey, this is serious stuff. But I've provided you, if you're resting in the gospel, if you've listened to that first angel's message and you've accepted Jesus Christ and that eternal gospel, we have nothing to fear. But we do that. We do that right here in our minds. Okay, so we can know truth. And there's a lot of people, again, that, that they know a lot of things. They might know the Bible. You know, I know one lady in a church I was at, she can memorize whole books of the Bible word for word. It's quite amazing what the mind can do. But, you know, we could, if you can memorize the whole Bible, the Bible's not what saves you. It's who the Bible points to, and that's Jesus. And the prophecies don't save us. It helps give us confidence and see how God's leading. But, again, it's Jesus is the point. And so, as we read these things, I just want to point us back to Jesus. He's the reason. He's the reason that we have hope. He's the reason that we don't need to tremble in fear. He's the one that we can approach because of his love. We can approach God with confidence. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago, our young adults um, talked about love, you know. And, And, you know, sometimes as a preacher... Uh, I've heard a few times since I've been in this church, people say, oh, you, you preach too much love. And to me, I say, praise God, because, you know, I don't think we can preach too much love. Because, again, if it's not done through love, nothing else matters. And I want to point out some of that. There are young adults uh, were in this same chapter, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, where it says that God is love. But I want to go a few verses down to 1 John 4, and I'm going to read from verse 16. Here it says, and so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. So when you read that third angel's message, it can be quite fearful if you read about this judgment. You know, but we can have confidence. Why? Because Jesus loved us so much that he came and died for us. And all we need to do is believe and accept that and enter a relationship with him. And then we have nothing to fear. That's a great, great good news of the gospel. And uh, reading on it says, Therefore there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know, what an encouraging verse to keep in our minds and the current uh, climate we live in. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He who loves because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. You know, what, what a great thing. Again, you know, God could have ended sin way back when it first came. He could have said, Adam and Eve, you're out of here. And zap. But no. That's, that, that doesn't lead to love. That leads to fear and punishment. No, love is about us being able to see that God is fair and just. That God really cares for us. And the reason that he wants us to follow things like the Ten Commandments. And if you read that um, final verse um, in verse 12, um, it actually... My printout. I'm just going to look up that real quick. In verse 12 of that three angels' message in Revelation 14, chapter 14, in verse 12, it says, 
this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. This is what we're called to do as a people. We are called to remain faithful to Jesus and to keep his commandments. Well, what does that mean? This goes back to legalism. This goes back to following rules. That's not what the commandments are about. The commandments are about love. And it's a two-way love. Love God, love others. The first four commandments are all about loving God. If you love God, you're not going to have other gods. You're not going to be worshiping idols. You're not going to be using his name in vain. You're going to look forward to spending a special day with him every week. You know, those first four commandments are so crucial for that relationship. And then we get into the last six, and it's all about loving each other. You know, if we love our parents, we're going to honor them. You know, if we love someone, we're not going to kill them. We're not going to steal from them. We're not going to be doing these things that God's asked us not to. It's all about love. And so, as I conclude, and I want to bring this... uh, final um, verse, Uh, well I might just end with Psalms 23, and a great, uh, uh, Psalms 23 is a great chapter, but here is another verse that I want to just end with, this kind of brings in the opportunity for us when we face difficult times to know that God's there with us, and here in verse 4 of Psalms 23 it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, that's what I want us to do. Because we know that we are getting close to the finish line of this world's history. There's no doubt. But it's not a time for us to be fearful. It's a time for us to be sure that prophecy is being fulfilled. And that urgency is for us to deliver a message of hope to our neighbors, to our friends. Because God wishes for no one to be lost. He doesn't wish for anyone to be burned for ever in the hell fire but he wishes to be forever with us but we have to make that choice and so I encourage us to all take this encouraging message in a loving way you know remember is it more important to be kind or be right is it more important to be kind or be right well you know you really need to be both but let's be kind first okay because if you're right and you're not kind it's not the way that Christianity is meant to be delivered. It's not the way Jesus showed us an example. So I want to encourage you that Jesus is coming and that uh, he's going to get rid of sin and sadness forever. He's going to get rid of death. You know, I don't know, many of us have been touched by death. And, you know, in in closing, I just want to share, it was in 2006 that um, I had to say goodbye to my mother who had cancer back in Alabama. And I remember pulling out with Karen... We only had one child at that point. It was Samuel. He was only about one year old. And I remember leaving. Mom was having to walk with a walker already. And I remember having this last time I saw my mom alive. You know, but I'm looking forward to Jesus coming again. I'm going to meet my mother again. And I was talking to my father, who is still alive. And last year I got to go back and celebrate his 85th birthday. And he's about to turn 86 now. But, you know, I was talking to him this week, and he says, is it happening over there too? You know, he's talking about this whole virus and how it's affecting everyone's going a bit crazy. He says, meaning, he says, Walmart's just been cleared out. And he says, I think Jesus is coming soon. And I said, Dad, I think you're right. Let's keep looking to Jesus. And I just want to encourage us all. Let's keep looking to Jesus. He's coming soon.
close with a prayer as we um, finish this worship time together. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you didn't just leave us here on this earth without any directions, without any sort of um, expectation of what to expect, but you've given us the Bible. And we pray as a people that we can be a people of hope, that we can be a people that are sharing your love and your hope with our communities, that we can be a people of the word and that we can have love first and your word can be delivered through that love. And so, Lord, I know there are many people that are struggling right now. I know there's many already that have lost their jobs because of things that are happening. But, Lord, may they look to you. You're going to get them through. And as a church family, may we be rallying together to help people as we uh, serve our communities. And we look forward to doing that continually until you do come and end all the bad. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.